It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, I'm being joined today by Charlie Hartwell. Charlie Hartwell is the managing partner of Bridge Builders Collaborative, a group of highly successful investors who have been investing in startup companies in the space of mental wellness, consciousness, and spirituality. I'm excited to have Charlie on the show just because of his background and the fact that he's investing in this, call it wellness space. Um, Charlie is a uh, Harvard graduate, and like I said, he's, uh, he's investing in, in a, I want to say, a unique area, and I'm excited to have him on the show. Uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie Hartwell, welcome to Money for Lunch. Thank you, Bert. It's good to be here. All right. So uh, talk about what it is you guys are doing there at Bridge Builders uh, Collaborative. And, how, and, and, and again, you guys are investing in startup companies in the space of mental wellness, consciousness, and spirituality. It seems kind of a weird space for, uh, for <laughs> investing, doesn't it? Well, no, it's, uh, it sure did when we started. Uh, so I'll, uh, about uh, 10 years ago, my wife got me into this space. Um, sort of, I, I described it at the time to be in this sort of contemplative practice, mindfulness, mind training space. And I met uh, these three investors, a guy named Jeff Walker, a guy named Scott Krins, a guy named Austin Hurst, who had been involved in the Mind and Life Institute, which had been doing a lot of the research behind contemplative practice, mindfulness, compassion. Uh, and they asked themselves the question whether or not there would be anything to invest in. Uh, the research was getting you know, so sophisticated that they wanted to figure out if there was a way to bring it out to the world. So they, they hired me and asked me to go see if there was any companies to invest in. Uh, nine years later, we've made 15 investments. Uh, our, I would say of some of the original platforms that we invested in, maybe 100 million people are meditating that weren't meditating before. Uh, our companies, uh, you know, having, having invested in, in 15 of them, some of the companies are now becoming household names. Uh, they are, you know, some of the companies have software that's being approved by the FDA to be used as either a drug or in concert with a drug. Uh, and so the space actually has been really fun to invest in because we were the first investors in the space and, um, have picked a lot of the interesting companies. Uh, and, and so, you know, I don't know if that answers your question, but. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. And so you mentioned a couple of these companies are uh, fairly popular. You said you, you use the term household names. Can you name a couple of them? Yeah. So, so um, there's a company called uh, Headspace, uh, which okay. really sort of rebranded meditation and made it accessible, you know, to the modern world. Uh, a company called Insight Timer has like 10,000 spiritual teachers uh, and, a, and an audience of 17 million that have downloaded the platform. It's a you know, it's sort of a, a, the largest conscious library on the planet. A uh, company uh, called Happify Health, which is actually, and another company called Paratherapeutics, which are actually sort of software as drugs 
Um, they're used, they've got like Pair Therapeutics has got three FDA approvals for software um, that treats, two of them treat addiction, one of them treats schizophrenia. Um, and another company called the Muse, which is a brain sensing headband, fits on like a pair of glasses. And you can, um, you know, sort of read your brain waves and learn to meditate uh, and get real time feedback on what your brain state is as you're interacting with the software. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. All right. So I want to, I want to tell our audience a little bit more about you. As I mentioned earlier, you're a Harvard business school graduate uh, and you, uh, you served and let and, and uh, have led organizations in 14 different industries, including starting a nonprofit in the slums of Kenya uh, in 1986 uh, that has now served healthcare to several million patients. Uh, that's remarkable. Uh, you also founded the first for-profit expedition company in U.S. history to promote the Bancroft uh, Arneson Expedition uh, historical 17,000-mile crossing of Antarctica by two women who became the first to cross the continent on foot. That is remarkable. And talk a little bit about that. How did you make that a for-profit business transaction? <laughs> well, first of all, I just want to say it was a 1700 mile journey, which, you know, which in itself is is pretty amazing. So, yes. Uh, so I met this woman, Ann Bancroft. Ann is the first woman to ever ski to the North Pole. And at the time, the only woman who had skied to both the North and South Poles. And she had wanted, to, you know, her next thing is she wanted to, uh, you know, be the first woman to cross the continent of Antarctica. So her specialty was that, you know, she loves exploring. And when I heard the model that she'd done all this work at, um, she's a former school teacher. She'd been going around to schools, you know, the, with these very generous kids, you know, giving her nickels and dimes and quarters and people donating to a nonprofit. And she would do these remarkable inspirational journeys and um, she'd come back in debt. So when I met her, I had this very emotional uh, professional moment where I met her and I heard what she wanted to do. It completely resonated with what I wanted to do. I knew nothing about expeditions, but I knew about marketing and like a business plan just popped into my head. Um, she describes in her book that her fax machine just started going off because I was I was like faxing her business plan. Uh, and I invited her to, you know, co-found this company with me and to do this, you know, to do the expedition very different. So to, to, to you know, the, to use this remarkable expedition that she did with this woman, Lee Arneson from Norway, and to really make it a global movement uh, around inspiring girls and women around the planet. Really, the question was, if these two women can ski 1,700 miles, pulling 250-pound sleds from sea level to 10,000 feet, average temperatures minus 20 for 90 days, then what, what can I do? What's my expedition? So we, you know, we went out and pitched sponsors like Volvo, Motorola, uh, Apple, Pfizer, uh, CNN was a partner. And, you know, we really turned this into a sponsorship model to, to, to help use the expedition as a metaphor um, to create this global movement. And at a time when you know, we were competing against women's sports in 1998. Women's sports were nowhere near what they were today. The women's soccer team had just won the first World Cup, I believe. 
the WNBA was just starting. So we're out pitching against, uh, you know, other mostly male dominated sporting events. Uh, and we, and we got, you know, these amazing sponsors to join this journey to try to inspire people. Uh, that's, that, that's incredible. I, that, uh, you know, there's a couple of lessons there is that you can take anything with the right, uh, point of view, the right position and, and really turn it into a, a profit. I mean, you know, getting sponsorships, uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, what do you call it? It is a, uh, spin that most nonprofits don't think about. Uh, and so congratulations. That's just a fantastic expedition it was great yeah really great and i'll just say you know to add to what you said it really takes a team and what and what ann and i were able to do uh was to recruit this amazing team to help support this journey from a technical pr marketing uh logistics i mean the, the logistics behind that expedition you know were incredible uh to pull that off um you know the the, the types of things you have to do to make that work were incredible so so really it's about a mission, it's about inspiration, and then it's about the team that comes together uh, to create the movement or, or the business. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so um, what is Bridge Builders Collaborative and, and what change are you trying to make in the world? Uh, so Bridge Builders Collaborative is a group of currently nine investors uh, who came together uh, wanting to invest in trying to help the world improve its mental health, uh, improve their people or invite people to connect more deeply to themselves, um, to improve relationships, um, to, you know, to help kind of wake people up. Um, to who they are, what their purpose is, and what they can do in their life. And the, the reason they came together, I mean, they're all successful enough investors where they could do this on their own, but they thought through collaboration, they would make better decisions and have fun doing this uh, versus if they just did it on their own. So, so we, we've, we come, you know, came together to invest in startup companies normally around, you know, sort of series A, um, yeah, when when companies have achieved like a million dollars in revenue, we provide growth capital to help them get to the next level and try to create um, global change. Um, yeah, that you know, it just blows me away that uh, that uh, you guys came together and said, "Hey, we this is where we want to focus." I mean, I love it. I think it's fantastic. I think that it's. It's something that is uh, badly needed. Uh, you know, there, there's such a huge push and reliance on pills uh, and something as simple as meditation is considered woo-woo and, and, you know, it's kind of, you know, uh, neglected by most people, uh, including the medical community. Yeah, that's all changing. So, you know, you see... Um, actually most athletes now use meditation. Many sports teams have a meditation coach. Um, there are, you know, uh, major celebrities who are, who are, you know, involved in, um, you know, in using these tools, 
many companies now are focused on these areas as part of wellness. You know, they've included mindfulness or mind training or mental health as part of looking at wellness. I mean, when we started off on this, everyone thought wellness was about physical fitness. Uh, and, you know, what we're learning is that wellness is really about physical fitness. It's about, um, you know, nutrition. It's about social relationships. It's about how you're training your mind. It's really about your mental health. Uh, and it's about, you know, whether you're connected to yourself and to something sort of greater than yourself. So we're trying to help that global movement along through investing in these startup companies. And we're seeing these things, you know, um, get into for Fortune 500 companies through insurance companies are now putting these as on their platforms. Uh, they're going to start reimbursing for them. Um, you know, half of it's not the same necessarily in our government, but half of the parliamentarians in the in the United Kingdom have been through a mindfulness program. Um, so it, it's really actually spreading quite quickly and in in schools, businesses and in the healthcare system. And when you say mindfulness, what is what do you mean by mindfulness? Hmm. There's so many different uh so many different def definitions of, of that, but I, I'd say one of the best one is like paying attention in the moment, like being in the moment and paying attention non-judgmentally to whatever's happening in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I like, I like what you, what you said there at the end, non-judgmentally. Uh, I think that when we're able to observe things, uh, you know, and again, a non-judgmental uh, situation, uh, it just changes everything. When you look at the problems that we have uh, in America, um, you know, globally even, a lot of them come because people have judgments tied to them. And they're willing to go to war and fight their neighbor and, you know, and, and, and all this craziness that, that humans do because they have attached so much judgment to it. Yeah, you could choose. You could sort of choose to live in a place of duality where there's right and wrong, and where you're judging things to be good or bad, or you can live in a place that's not duality, where you just observe what's kind of happening around it, and make you know, and make choices as to what to do in any situation, and not you know, not judge people uh, or you know, make people wrong. Um, yeah. So yeah, I kind of you know, I think part of the work we want to do is to help provide invitations to think about that differently uh, so that we're not, you know, saying you're right, I'm wrong and doing exactly what you're doing, which has led to so many of our wars. Right, right, exactly. All right, so back to your investment. When you get involved in a company, I know you mentioned uh, you, you give them money, obviously. Anything else that uh, that you provide for, for these uh, investment companies? Yeah, I'd say there's a few things. So first of all, you know, our nine partners are, have remarkable business careers uh, in, in, in a multitude of different industries. So one of the things we provide, you know, is counsel uh, and, and uh, or, or advice or wisdom just based on, you know, based on our own experience. Uh, so that's one thing. Um, another thing is we provide connections. So, you know, because of the work we do, uh, I and we are connected to 
you know, some of the world's leading spiritual teachers. We're connected to a lot of people in, you know, big business. Uh, we're connected to entrepreneurs. We're connected to other investors who might be interested in the space. Um, so we can, and, and some of the leading scientists on the planet studying this stuff. So we provide connections, which can be transformative for some of these companies. Um, we also provide, you know, credibility. So, you know, I've looked at a thousand companies, probably in the space, probably more than that. We've made 15 investments. When we've gone through that process and we're pretty well known in, the, in, in our space of, uh, you know, of being one of the leading investors, if not the leading investor in the space, we provide credibility for somebody to be able to um, say that we're investors. It really helps them in a multitude of different ways. And when I look at those things as value add, then I, you know, for us, like the cash that we provide is actually the least value added, uh, that, the way we view it. Um, cash is not that important um, as far as, you know, versus the other things we can do to help businesses. Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that because, uh, yeah, look, uh, if I can, if I can go to you and you're able to, uh, walk me through a process, uh, that, uh, that, that helps me avoid big mistakes, or, uh, you are able to make a connection that, that helps me move forward, you know, by a year or two, you know, that, that becomes priceless, right? I mean, it, that mentorship, those connections, those are things that are hard to come by. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, Bert, to, to answer that question, it, it's interesting. I talked to some entrepreneurs that wouldn't necessarily value that. You know, there's some people that just want the money and think that they're right. Yeah. Uh, and they just want to move forward with it. And, you know, that that that's one choice, but that doesn't really work for us. We We want to feel as though we're partners in a business. And when we make an investment, we tend to stay involved for a long period of time. And we really want to have fun with the entrepreneur and we want to create impact with the entrepreneur. And then we want to make money with the entrepreneur. And for us, that's, it's not just fun that we're making money. It's fun that the entrepreneur is making money. And if we can increase the value of their business together, that's like, that's remarkably fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So what kind of companies, do you look for to invest in? You mentioned that they have to have at least a million dollars in revenue. What else are you looking for? So the first thing we're looking for is impact. So it impact is a screen for us. So I look at a platform or a service or something and I say, if I can imagine investing in this company and it glow, you know, and it grows, um, can it become scalable enough where, and can we, uh, can we create global impact? So that's the first, that's the first screen is impact. The second uh, is really about the CEO. And we asked a question in our line of work in particular, has the CEO actually done the work uh, and are they integrated to be a leader? So if you're pitching mindfulness and you're not an expert at mindfulness, but you've got, you know, you, I, I've seen people that went to a meditation retreat for a weekend, their life was changed. They work in Silicon Valley they know how to launch global platforms. To me, that doesn't work. I really want to see people that are integrated in the work that they're that they've done, um, because if you're gonna if you're gonna try to change the world, uh, first change yourself. So I look for integrated, curious leaders who are collaborative and it would be fun to work with. Then we ask the question: Okay, so what is 
I'll just call it a moat. What's the moat around the business? It's either intellectual property or, you know, a large audience or what, what makes it hard to compete against this so that it's not something that you can just come in and easily, you know, uh, compete or take the position, you know, of, of, uh, of the company. What's unique? What's the special sauce of the company? Um, you know, we look at the team behind it. Uh, we, we go through a lot of due diligence to, you know, to ask technical questions. And then at the end of the day, um, we ask if we, we invest in this, can we see making, you know, significant return on our investment? And that's usually the last question, um, you know, that we need to satisfy, but it's an important question for us as well. Sure. I mean, absolutely. I mean, again, you're investing and you're investing to get that, that return. How important is that leader, the CEO of the company, uh, if, if everything else is there, but for whatever reason, you know, you mentioned the CEO is maybe not aligned in his work or her work, or, or maybe you're not gelling with the CEO, uh, would that kill the deal? Kill it immediately. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely crucial. Yeah. Because uh, really, because Bert, for, you know, for us, we're, we're not in it just to make money. We're not in it to just say, Hey, take our money and, you know, and show us, you know, huge valuation down the road that just does not um that doesn't work for us so that that resonance um is is incredibly important to us and and it's got to be something because we have you know many different folks involved from our side it's got to be something that you know that we that we sort of all agree to as well so it's not just it's not just me looking at that person it's 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 our other partner looking and you know, finding out whether or not if, if somebody believes they have all the answers, it's just not going to work for us. Um, and and by the way, we don't we don't feel like we need to be right, nor do we think that our advice is always the best. We're we're actually very happy when somebody says, you know, you provided me with this advice and I thought about it and I and, and I don't agree with you. And here's why we're fine with that. That that's it. We don't need to be right in charge. We're not in charge of any of our companies. Uh, we sit on boards of several of them, uh, but but we do need it. We do need a collaborative leader. That's you know that's absolutely essential. To, uh, essential and and one who has a managed ego. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah, especially in the mindfulness space. You know, uh, I like the way that term that you use, a managed ego. Uh, you know, coachability and humility is such a it's such an important thing. It's hard to uh, work with somebody who's always right, who knows it all, who you know can't take anybody else's uh, point of view or consider anybody else's point of view. Uh, those are such big turnoffs for me, uh, and and I imagine uh, that's something that you guys look at. Life's too short. Yeah, life's too short. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, okay, so. Uh, I want to I want to kind of pivot a little bit and talk about your work in Kenya, um, specifically as I mentioned in, in the top of the show, you, you got involved in the slums of Kenya. Uh, talk about what what work you did, what got you there. Talk about that experience. So when I got out of college, I put a backpack on my back and I traveled around the world for a year, and I kind of got odd jobs in remote places. Uh, 
the last place that I went to was in uh, in Nairobi. And I had known some people that were working for an organization there. Uh, and they set me up to do an internship um, to be a social worker in the slums. So I, you know, I lived, um, I lived and worked in the, in the, in the slums. Uh, I was a social worker. I uh, did not like social work at all. I learned that about myself. It's not a gift that I have, but I really was passionate about creating change. And the way that I could think about creating change was to start an organization, um, you know, to help create difference and then, you know, do the work to find, you know, to, to find money to run the business, uh, to, to train the, the folks in Kenya, you know, how to run the business. So I started this organization uh, in 1986 with a friend of mine from college and a Kenyan. Uh, and I came back to America. I was working on Wall Street during the day. I was starting this, you know, this organization at night. Um, I, I worked for, um, for nine years helping to build the organization. I, I, I lived in, I, I lived in, I lived there once. Uh, well, actually I lived there twice in, in Nairobi. Uh, but I was working and running, you know, the business with my other partner from, from the U S at least the fundraising side and the marketing side of the business. Nine years afterwards, I turned it, uh, my partner and I turned it over to the Kenyans because we just didn't like the model of having Americans telling, um, you know, telling them how to run their business and the way they ran their business wasn't necessarily the way we would, uh, you know, culturally. So we just said it's better if we turn it over. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I took my kids and my wife back for the 35th anniversary of the, uh, of the organization. And, you know, just amazing to watch the, uh, you know, the, they've, they've got seven centers. They, um, they have, you know, they had the first, uh, maternity wards in any slum of Africa, Africa that I, that I know of. They had some of the first eye doctors and dentists in the slums. They had the first ambulance, uh, in the slums and one of only two ambulances in the entire country of, of Kenya. Um, and so they, you know, once we turned it over, they, uh, they really built the organization to something that was serving an incredible number of people in the areas where they didn't, you know, where they didn't previously have healthcare or where they would have to go, you know, into the city, you know, to a hospital, uh, that was way overcrowded. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the journey with the, this organization called provide international. Provide international. That, that's an awesome story. I mean, think about that. Uh, just from an impact point of view, uh, here you, uh, at a very early age, you started impacting the lives of thousands of people. Uh, that's incredible. I mean, that, uh, that is incredible. I just, how many of us, you know, live a life where we have just such a small impact on people and here you are, you and your and your business partner were able to impact uh, again. Who knows at this point, right? Uh, tens of thousands of people. Uh, you're talking about uh, maternity and an ambulance and eye care. That's a huge impact. Yeah, you know it's interesting. So, so I just this is another, you know, piece um, for me. So my wife actually got involved in another organization in Kenya that was called Give Us Wings. And this this operated in the rural parts of um, of Uganda and Kenya, 
And what they would do was go into the communities and ask the women in the communities, what do you need for the community? And so when we went back for the 35th anniversary and we brought our three kids, they got to see this, these remarkably different models. Uh, and it actually, to me, is, you know, it, it's kind of a lesson. So, so the business that I started had served, yes, it had served millions of people. Um, and, you know, and I, and I honor and acknowledge that. But when we walked through the communities that, you know, where I used to work, I used to, I, I would take the bus, I would be by myself, I would be the only white person, I would feel safe. And when I went back with my kids, you know, all these years later, they had healthcare, but the model was very much a male-driven patriarchal model of telling the community what they need. It's like, you need a maternity ward, you need this, you need an ambulance. And, and when I went back to the community, um, you know, we had to have armed guards uh, with, our, with our kids because it wasn't safe. When we went to the rural communities in this place where an organization was going in asking the women, what do you need? The whole community was like transformed, empowered. There was a whole different feeling in the community because they felt heard and seen and acknowledged. And it wasn't that, the, you know, sort of this model of, I know what you need. It was a model of, I, I, somebody's listening to me and providing me what I need. And now we have the tools to, to, to help bring change in our community. And it was remarkably different to see those two organizations. Yeah, that, that is uh, very interesting. Um, listening to that story, I'm, you know, I'm just, uh, uh, we call it reminded that, again, men and women think differently. Men and women have different gifts, different strengths. Uh, and also, what an interesting, uh, what do you call it, uh, strategy. Here's what you need, let me tell you versus what is it you need, uh, you know, and, and I'm seeing if I can help you with that. <laughs> it's just a different, it's such a different strategy, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a whole different organizational model as well. So if you, you know, if I go back to my Harvard Business School days, you know, when I went to Harvard, they were teaching this top down, one man on top telling the whole organization what to do. And what we're finding now is the models, you know, that that really work best are these bottom up models where everyone knows the mission of the organization and everybody brings their talents and they're not told what to do. They're actually told to what, you know, they're actually told to go do what they know to do best uh, and, you know, and to keep people informed and to be collaborating. And um, and this is the, you know, from my perspective, this is the model uh, of the future. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about this. Uh, so you have uh, Bridge Builders Collaborative, and then you have another company that you and I talked just a, a tinsy wincy a bit about called Shifted. What what are the two different companies? Yeah. So Shifted Institute is a company that my wife and I started. Um, our mission is to ignite consciousness, to inspire human potential, and to create paradigm shifts. And the way that I do that is really through my work at Bridge Builders Collaborative. Uh, that's 95 to 90, you know, plus percent of what I, what I do for Shifted. My wife uh, and, and business partner, she is also a bridge builder uh, collaborative partner, but she uh, is, you know, uh, she does a lot of client work. She advises organizations. Um, she's, you know, uh, a tra trained therapist. She 
works with individuals. Um, she's she's more of a mystic. Um, she asks remarkable questions. She uh, you know she provides advice and 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 works directly with clients. So our work is different, and at the same time, our mission is the same. And she also advises me in the work that I do, uh, and you know helps me and and some of the CEOs of the companies that uh, that we work with because she's you know just remarkably gifted at seeing things that other people don't see and asking powerful questions that help people to transform. So what uh, what do you see in the future? Uh, as far as the, this wellness, mindfulness space, uh, what what do you hope uh, to see in the future? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, so about a year and a half ago, um, my wife said to me, or maybe it was two years ago, Charlie, uh, you've been investing in the gateway drugs to higher level of consciousness, and it's time to go deeper. And when I'm smart, I listen to my wife and integrate what she says, because she's very wise. And so I set that intention or we set that intention together. And, you know, we met an, all of a sudden a new partner came into our life, a guy named Bo Shao, who just launched a launched a hundred million dollar fund of his own that was really about consciousness and spirituality. And he joined our collaborative uh, as a partner. And then our whole part, all of our you know existing partners got together and said, look, we've invested in this movement. It doesn't need our capital anymore. There's plenty of money that's chasing mindfulness deals. Um, how do we go deeper? Uh, how do we make you know more of an impact? So, you know, to answer your question about what the, what's the future, I'll just tell you some of the things that you know that I'm focused on today. Um, I you know I've been looking quite a bit at the emerging psychedelic assisted therapy market. Um, the research is indicating that for mental health, um, some of the plant-based medicines that have been used, uh, you know, culturally for years, when used with a therapist are some of the most transformative mental health models. Uh, so we've been, we've been looking at how we can support the emergence of that. Uh, we, I'm looking at or we invested in a company out of Canada called True Love. True Love is a female entrepreneur who has, you know, worked in many game companies over her life. And, you know, basically all of our games are programmed by males and in a, in a model that's all about the fight or flight uh, part of the brain. Her company, True Love, is about um, a whole different way of gaming, which is about tending and befriending, which is a much more feminine driven model. Um, females have sort of been left out of the gaming world or, or many feel left out. So this is a way of addressing that. I'm also looking at a lot uh, of companies around sort of social wellness. So we've lost touch of how to have relationships and how to be in relationships. So we want to support the emergence of social wellness as a component of wellness. And the last, you know, the last thing they'll say about about wellness is uh, it's early stages, but there uh, there's been a lot of research done on sort of the biofield science or the subtle energy system of the human body. And um, we're some of our partners are supporting the emergence of that research. And if we can prove 
um, and some studies are, are showing we can, that our energy systems can help heal each other, then, you know, that also can be sort of a revolution in health. So, you know, so these are all things that we're looking at off on the, you know, off on the horizon as to, to how, we, how we think we can go and support deeper models of mental health, deeper models of, models of consciousness and self-awareness. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is I want to say, you know, at least for me, my, my interpretation is the last three, four, five years or so, we've been seeing a, a, a massive uptick about mental health awareness. And we're starting to really focus on, you know, mental healing, for lack of better terms. You know, we always look at, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of books uh, on business and leadership and fitness and uh, uh, what do you call it? Athletics about, you know, the mind, what, whatever the mind can see, it can achieve. And when you start, uh, when, when people have talked about using the mind to heal the body, uh, it's, it, you know, it's gotten some pushback, but I think now that's kind of breaking way and it's become almost not, not quite mainstream, but it's starting to become, I think it's almost there. I think that, that we are just scratching the surface of what our minds are capable of doing. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and, you know, that, that's our perspective. Uh, and we want to support ways for people to be able uh, to get through some of the, the suffering that causes them not to be mentally well. Yeah. Uh, and to provide invitations to go to the places that we, you know, we had a lot of stigma about mental health and we still do in this country. Right. Um, and, you know, we want to invite people to be able to say, hey, you know, this is, if you have a mental health issue, you're just part of tens and hundreds of millions of other people that have that issue. It's okay. Let's right. provide you some support. Let's make it okay for you to go through that process. And on the other side of that, I think we do find that our minds are, are you know, like you were saying, they're, they're powerful things. We don't necessarily know everything, you know, about what is possible through our minds, through our energy systems, et cetera. But then let's bring science into the equation to help, you know, to help take what people might have thought, you know, is, is science fiction and let's, let's prove the benefits. And if there are these benefits, then we actually, as a society, you know, can really shift um, from a place where people are really struggling in their lives because of depression or anxiety or massive stress. And, and that really prevents them from being their most authentic self or living in their purpose or just, you know, enjoying their life. So we hope to help provide invitations to, to transform that. Yeah, Charlie Hartwell, I'm excited about the work you're doing. And if somebody wants to read out, reach out to Charlie and his team, you can go to bbcollaborative.com. And uh, this is, you know, fascinating that you guys are doing this. And I'd love to bring you back uh, in, in maybe later on and get an update to uh, some of the uh, success that you guys are having. That'd be great, Bert. Thank you for the conversation today. You bet. Thank you.